The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Living Well with Ann Beal. Our show is a health show, a lifestyle show, and an empowerment show rolled into one. Get ready to hear some stories of success, healthy living tips, and suggestions to get motivated and live your best life. Now, here is your host, Ann Beal. Welcome to the show. This is Ann Beal. We have an exciting show today. I'm very excited. I have Jeff Reed on the phone. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing today? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Good. Now, you're in Charlotte today, Charlotte, North Carolina? That's correct. Well, we wanted to have Jeff on. I really was excited to have him on to talk about his time in the NFL as a place kicker. Uh, he's a two-time Super Bowl champion, and um, he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, New Orleans Saints, and Seattle Seahawks. And uh, you actually grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, right? That's right. Uh, my dad was in the radio business. We moved from the Midwest and uh Moore, Oklahoma, which is outside of Norman, Oklahoma, to Charlotte. He was uh, he was in sales and radio, and that's where the money was, and we were following him. My mom was raising my sister and I. So you lived in Moore, Oklahoma. Yeah, if you, if you don't know anything about Oklahoma, you definitely don't know anything about Moore. Well, except that they've had those horrible tornadoes. Yeah, I saw a few of those, actually. I'm glad I wasn't there um, yeah. for the for the most recent one, but... You could go on your doorstep sometimes in the summer and just see one coming and just hope and pray it didn't get your house. Wow. Yeah, that's not very far from here. It's probably, I don't know, three hours from here. So when I heard that, I thought, wow, more. Because that's what people think when they think of more now. They think of, oh, my gosh, it'd be scary to live there. That's right. Unfortunately, it's on the the map and in people's heads for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. Because you remember good things about more. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I used to walk to high school games right up, literally up the street with my father and think it was college football. I didn't know. Oh, well, you know, we wanted to uh, today talk about cheating in the NFL, but um, we can also cheat, talk about cheating in high school football and college football. And um, But let's hear a little more about you. Well, uh, I'm 35, soon to be 36. Uh, you already said I played uh, in the NFL for nine full seasons. I was in my 10th when I got released by Seattle um, all the way through uh, basically from five years old through high school. I've only played soccer. I played 15 years of soccer. I even played intramurals at the University of North Carolina. Um, the real Carolina, so we call it around the North Carolina, South Carolina border because they, the Gamecocks, they call themselves Carolina too. But um, we have that little rivalry going. But I'm a Tar Heel. Um, and see, in high school, I uh, I only played one year of football. I, I don't know how else, how else to express this, but besides say that I was finally uh, not a chicken, and I put some pads on and was okay to get hit um, because <laughs> I was the biggest guy on the soccer field. So it was uh, it was real easy for me to knock the knock the little fast guys off the ball. 
and uh, that was my true passion was soccer. And uh, you know, I was I was a great student, uh, but I figured if I if I didn't give football a chance, you never know what kind of talent Scott has um, given to you at, at birth. And I tried it, and obviously, I went to Chapel Hill for journalism, not for football, uh, because I had to walk on. I could have gone to Appalachian State. Or a place like uh, Wingate, if you guys have not heard of that, it's a very small school near outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, you know, for soccer or football or both, uh, on full ride to save my parents' money. But since I was in state, I chose to go to Chapel Hill for the education part. Journalism school was at the time top five in the country. I believe it's top ten right now. I'm not sure why they took some steps back. Probably professors have retired, but um, and that's why I went there. And Mac Brown was the coach. I was an invited walk-on, so they called it. I was treated very unfairly, even though they always say when you get there, uh, if you're a walk-on, you're just one of the guys. It doesn't matter if you're a blue chipper or a walk-on. You're part of this team. and It sounds good, and it's what you want to hear, but it's not reality. So I fought through it because I realized I was going to transfer and go play football at UMass um, because I had a connection up there. But I realized that I went there for an education, and I'm going to stay there for an education, whether football works out or not. And then after three years, of going through, uh, you know, not so great times and some good times. I mean, I got to run out of the tunnel a few times, never actually played. Um, I'm still a walk-on going into my fourth year, which is my redshirt junior year of football, and they gave me a shot. Although I wasn't the starter, the starter kind of choked up a little bit. They put me in, and there was no turning back. So I almost played two years in college. I got a a full scholarship my last uh, year and a half there, so out of the two, so that helped my parents out a little bit uh, with the whole student loan thing, but um, I, was, I, was, I was pretty successful, but having played only one year in high school and one and a half years in college, uh, you know, two and a half, two and a half years of, uh, of football before I you know, was going to give the NFL a shot, and at the pro day, I was with Julius Peppers, Ronald Curry, all those huge names, so nobody cared about me. And so I grabbed the scout and said, why don't you just chart my kicks so at least maybe down the road you may have some interest. And he came outside. And I was kicking pretty well, so a few other guys came outside. And long story short, um, I didn't get drafted. I didn't go to the combine. All I did was pro day. had a few uh, private tryouts with coaches uh, and ended up going to Pittsburgh after numerous tryouts, week 10 of 2002, right when it was sleeting in uh, awesome weather. And that was sarcasm. <laughs> Yeah. And stayed there nine seasons, uh, two Super Bowl rings, uh, second leading scorer in Steeler history. Uh, I don't really brag about that stuff though, because I know the point of playing the game. Uh, there's two. There's two main reasons why I play the, why I enjoy playing the game, and why I miss it today. It's uh, the camaraderie. Uh, obviously, the hardware is great because that's why you play the game. Uh, money comes and goes. So whether you make a bad decision with your money or you have a ton of money, uh, it comes and goes. Uh, it doesn't make you happy. And the other reason is charity work, um, being able to affect people's lives by shaking a hand, giving them a hug, signing your name, taking a picture, uh, just showing up at an event, showing up at the hospital, uh, the cancer clinic. I mean, those were the things that I miss, and I get the chills talking about it now because I can see the faces of people that I used to, you know, really brighten up, and uh, those are the times I miss, which I still do charity work, but... Since I'm not in Pittsburgh, it's not, um, you know, and you're not currently playing, it's not quite the same, uh, even though there are a ton of Steeler fans. So now I'm doing a, a podcast I, I created uh, about five or six months ago called Barely Controlled Radio. And I got that, uh, got that name from 
everyone thinks because I'm on edge, I'm a little out of control, which is fine because I am. <laughs> um, but the definition of passion is barely controllable emotion. And exactly. I'm passionate about radio. And a lot of times on radio, as you know, Anne, uh, you, you can't really be yourself. Now, you can on your show, but you can't really be yourself when you work under someone else. But I'm my own boss. If I, if I feel strong about an opinion, I'll just come on my podcast and talk about it. I don't care what people think because it's opinionated. And so I'm passionate about radio, so I hence the name Barely Controlled Radio. And uh, numbers are growing. Uh, I'm trying to catch you. Uh, <laughs> not, not there yet, but I think this will help me, and I appreciate the opportunity. And I mean, I do some local sports uh, radio here, TV here, um, but obviously it's more for exposure than anything else. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because when I did my TV show, um, I didn't have the ability to just talk about whatever I wanted to talk about. And so this show, I can. And, and you're right. The passion, when, when you have your passion and you can do whatever you want, there's nothing like that. And so in some ways, that barely controlled. I totally get that. I totally get that because I love this. And I'm, I'm so glad you're on. And I hear your background. There's so many things about that that would empower people who are out there if they didn't get drafted or they didn't get picked for the team in high school or they're still a walk-on and they're still trying to have their time. I mean, it is amazing um, when you think of football players that have done that. When I think of the Cowboys, of course, I think of Austin. You know, he, was, he, he didn't get drafted, right? He walked on. Right. And uh, he became an awesome player for the Cowboys. And I loved him. And I have his little statue, you know. I just loved him because of when you look at what he did, you know, it was incredible that he came up kind of out of nowhere, really. And so right. when I hear you, to be a walk-on and to also focus on school and journalism and then get a full scholarship, that is what drives people you know there's people out there that want that so badly I was a walk-on in volleyball in college and I was a gymnast and uh they tried to get me to go into diving and I was you know kind of afraid to do that and they're like oh my gosh it would be so perfect for you it would just be perfect because of all the uh, flips and everything <laughs> I could do I didn't do it I didn't go into the swimming and the diving it just wasn't my thing, I thought, you know. But later, I realized well, some other people did do that. And I thought, you know, I shouldn't have let fear stop me. And I remember then thinking, I'm not ever going to let that happen again. I'm going to try everything. And so when you have the passion, it is amazing how things come out. And so for you, it's very exciting. Right. And, you know, the best, the best feeling is that you earn what you get. I mean, I'm not making a killing on my podcast. I have one sponsor. Um, that's the only way I make money. I don't. I mean, I don't know how else anyone can make money on a podcast unless you charge people to download an app or something, which I'm not there yet. Uh, <laughs> but to be my own boss, and if I want to rant on something, then I don't. I mean, I know someone wants to hear me rant. Somebody does. I mean, I get five new <laughs> followers every week and every month. So um, even if I'm totally wrong in their opinion, they're going to respond through Twitter. They're going to respond on Facebook. Um, if they have my number, they'll respond through text, and then I'll do another podcast responding to them. You know, it's just, there's always, it could be something major. Uh, I usually steer clear of race, religion, and politics because too many people take it, uh, it's fine to take it seriously, but if you have an opinion on something, you know, people take it, you know, personal, and you don't want to create a war. It's not worth it. Um, but everything else is fair game. I mean, I talk about the advantages of being a woman. 
the advantages of being a man, disadvantages of being a woman, a man. Um, I talk about how ignorant some holidays are, that people just want to go drink. Um, I talk about how great some holidays are. I talk about sports. I, I predict scores, um, you know, uh, Super Bowl and playoffs and all that. I don't do a football podcast every week because I think that would be kind of annoying to a lot of people and myself. Because you well, they, and they have that, stuff. you know. They kind of have right. that on TV already. Yeah, I mean, anybody can do that. I mean, I know it's, you know, I know it's me, but but when you go behind the scenes, like the, the uh, a podcast that I release uh, tomorrow, when you go behind, I, I go behind the scenes of the Super Bowl. Most people don't know that stuff happens. They just see a game. They, they see a nice paycheck, and they see the fact that you know media day is what it is. And uh, you, it, but it's it's a very stressful two weeks uh, of the Super Bowl. I mean, the first week, which you think is so a uh, so called bye week. Um, the only good thing about that week is that if you're hurt and you have a minor injury, you get better. Uh, if you have a major injury, you, you don't really get a whole lot better. You just get extra treatment. But you have a, these annoying people coming out of the woodwork for tickets. And remember remember back in 1982, we were boys and, you know, all this stuff. At, and tickets are, you know, I don't know what they are now, but when I was playing, they were $500 each, and you had to pay out of your own pocket to get the tickets. Then you had to charge people. So if all of a sudden they found out the price when you had gotten a ticket – you're $500 in the hole. And if you scalp your tickets, you're going to get caught, you're going to get fined, then you're going to lose more money. So, you know, it's a, yeah. stressful, uh, it's a stressful thing. And, you know, finally on Wednesday, I know Seattle and New England are excited this day has come because it's a, turned into a normal week now. Well, and I think for you, you can rant. I don't mind you ranting because you, you know, you kicked a 54-yard 54 54 field goal in high school. Okay, and you made 82.2% of your kicks. So to me, for two Super Bowls and uh, nine years in the NFL, you have the right to rant. You were good. Um, it's hard to believe with kickers now that, you know, you could kick a 54-yard field goal or 53-yard field goal and not be playing, you know. But if anyone knows about footballs and the amount of air in a football – <laughs> you and your preferences of footballs when you go to kick them, it would be you, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, I do. And you know, to so to your point about you know still being able to make one, I I kick uh, not every day by any means because it's not the most um, pleasurable uh, motion for my body. But and I have I've had three surgeries, I've had two concussions. I mean, I played the game. It's it's what I signed up for. So even though I moan sometimes about it, uh, I kind of know what I knew, knew what I was getting into it, starting at five years old, playing 30 years of sports. And I still play kickball to this day because it's competitive and I can run my mouth and uh, I'm on a good <laughs> team and we usually win and it's fun. But when it comes to the uh, this whole deflate gate thing, when I, when I saw it first, I was like, oh, man, Patriots are at it again. Then you start listening to what's going on. And you're, you know, things are kind of lining up, ducks are in a row. Now, as of yesterday, uh, actually Monday, there are all the things that are in, ducks that are in a row are not in a row anymore. They're all over the place. So, is there a rule that says the PSI has to be between, I think, 12 and a half and 13? Yes, there is. Is it an ignorant rule? Yes, it is. But it's a rule. And it says, if you tamper with the footballs, or if they are not that PSI, that amount of pounds, then you get fined $25,000. So at worst, regardless of who's proven what, who's lying about what, which team did it, 
$25,000 fine to, I don't know, Kraft or Belichick or Brady, whoever you want. To, I mean, they're all doing okay, so I don't really think the money matters. But that's what the rule is. Now, if a ball was overly flat, oh, let me back up for a second. Sure. Every quarterback in the NFL, and you've heard some very opinionated and are totally against uh, are totally uh, calling Brady out about this, and some that are totally in favor of Brady saying, like Aaron Rodgers said, I overinflate all the all my game balls because you can throw a tighter spiral and the ball travels more when it's overinflated. And their hands are so big as quarterbacks, it doesn't really matter, to be honest. Uh, you don't have to have a flat ball. But that's cheating. But he wasn't afraid to say that because what he's saying is every Friday – Quarterbacks from all from uh, all teams in the NFL throw the game balls. They're given a choice of about uh, 15 to 20 balls. They pick 12 for the game. And I've seen Big Ben, and I'm not calling him out because I don't know what the PSIs were. Grab a ball and say, oh, this is way too hard. Throws it back in the bag. Then he'll grab one and say, well, I like this one, but it's flat, so it won't, it won't do what I need it to do. Then he'll grab some, and he'll say, well, take a little bit out of this. Put a little bit in this. So... They're not measuring PSIs, these equipment managers, when they're listening to the quarterback. They're measuring to what feels good in his hand. The referee's job is to check each individual football, all 24 of them, 12 from each team, to make sure the PSI, PSI falls in between or is very, very close to what its regulation is supposed to be. This is not, whether they did it on purpose or not, the ref is at fault. And... You know, because I've seen kicking balls that are flat. I've seen another kicker throw in a ball in the game that is, I mean, it's a K-ball. It's a game ball, so it's not really cheating. But there's a mutual agreement at the beginning of each game that as kickers, we try to use ball, balls one and two, and there's eight, eight game balls for kickers and punters. Uh, we try to use balls one and two so they gradually get better in the second half. But, you know, the guys that rub them down usually know what they're doing these days. Back when I was a, a rookie, and a second-year guy, the guy didn't know how to rub down the footballs, and they were, like, chalky. And even if it was 85 degrees outside, it was tough to kick. It was just, it's a, it, I mean, it's, it's gradually gotten way better, and the footballs are pretty good. But they throw in a, you know, ball number four and kind of throw you off, and the ball doesn't travel as well kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But this whole situation, to me, is more of a gamesmanship over cheating. Now, is it cheating because if, if they willingly knew it happened, and got caught, yeah, it's cheating. But is it that big of a deal where it takes, out of the 14 days leading up to the Super Bowl, 10 of them are about the flag gate? That's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> they do take it to a whole new level, don't they? And I know you're pretty sick of it. Yeah, and I'm part of the media, so I'm guilty. But I don't talk about it unless, because I'm not the host of, my, uh, of the sports show here. I'm not the host. I'm a co-host, so I reflect, and I give my opinion. And even a co-host yesterday brought it up when we were talking about Charlotte Hornets and ACC hoops. And, you know, he brought it up because we were just getting into breaking down the game. And he brought it up. And so then we argued about it for 30 minutes. Callers wanted to talk about it, so that was the rest of the show. <laughs> I mean, which, I mean, if, if people are calling, that's, the, that's why you do a sports talk show. That's good because we're listening. But on the flip side of that, this is, I mean, now taking somebody's coaching signals or videotaping them, that's a little extreme, but a football, and in the second half now, take this take this into account. They inflated all the balls to where they're supposed to be, and the Patriots won twenty eight nothing in the second half. So, 
which I, I don't, don't talk really about too much. For, for some reason, I really don't think that matters so much, these footballs. Well, okay, so let's let's back up a little bit. Okay, when when you're talking about Big Ben, who is that? Oh, Big Ben is uh, Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback of the Pittsburgh right? Steelers. <laughs> I just wanted everybody to know who that was. Yeah, um, sorry. okay. I, I get carried away like everybody should know who he is. Right. Well, it's a great name, isn't it? <laughs> if you know why he's called that. Um, okay, so the thing about for me is there's a lot of people out there that. They just hear the cheating, you know, and they're like, I can't even believe they're going to go to the Super Bowl and on and on and on. And, and you've made a good point that, you know, they had already in the rules have a penalty for doing that with the footballs. Uh, we haven't heard of anyone doing that, which is interesting. Um, but the fine would be 25000 I assume that's per person, right? Uh, 25000 is, I, I think they just went, even if it was per person, I don't really think they're, I don't really think it's a huge deal to any of those guys, but I, Which I don't is know. Why they keep maybe saying the that. owner, maybe the owner would get fined. I don't know. Well, and um, I do think that you know the commentators are. This is not a big deal. That some some aren't saying that. Some are saying that it's not a big deal. And I, I know that's because of the fine. It's small compared to what these people make, and so. But also. I am, uh, and the people that listen to me, a lot of them are just lay people. You know, they're, they don't play football. They, they don't understand if you cheat in a, a main game like that before the Super Bowl and it's clear that you're cheating. Let's say it's totally clear. And it just comes down to, okay, the balls were weighed. They weren't the right PSI, so therefore they, they should be fined. But, but there are people out there that think, okay, because they cheated, they shouldn't go to the Super Bowl. The Colts should get to go, right? And right. so, but that's because they, you know, from what they see and what they know about football, and, and they, you do not hear about cheating that much in the NFL. You just don't. And so I've been amazed, the more I've talked to people this last week, how many people are so shocked, totally shocked, that there's cheating in the game right before the Super Bowl and that they would do that. How they're so dumb because then they might not get to go. And Well, I know, you know, as you know, that if you were going to cheat, this would be something, you would do something that wouldn't take you out of the Super Bowl. But um, I want to just talk a little bit about the cheating side in the NFL because people are like, I don't even know, I, don't, I never know anyone who cheated. And uh, you and I were talking you know, about different things that we remember. And you mentioned Vanderjack. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Mike Vanderjack used to be a, he was, he's most uh, notably known, unfortunately for him, because he's a friend of mine, uh, for uh, calling out Peyton Manning <laughs> uh, in the off season when the, when the Colts went on a great run and lost in the playoffs uh, to us. But uh, there is a story, there was a story, and this was uh, over 10 years ago, I think it was about at least 10 years ago, uh, I mean, it was a while ago, put it like that, when he was playing, and he was the most accurate kicker in NFL history forever. And uh, good guy. He's a little, uh, you know, out of control, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, everybody can be at, at the right time. But there was a story going around that Josh Scobie, he was a younger kicker at the time. Now he's, you know, he's a veteran, true veteran uh, kicker for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they're in the same uh, division. Vanderjack would kick footballs in the game that were like seemed like they were 15 years old like super soft leather and they were a darker brown texture i mean color and different texture and and every time scoby 
uh, went on to kick a field goal or an, uh, or an extra point or a kickoff, he would somehow tell the K-ball guy, which is a referee, uh, to throw in a brand-new ball out of the bunch, even though it was a game ball. And, you know, Scobie was kind of like, man, it doesn't look like the one you're kicking. It was a big feud. But that made the, that, that made actually that made ESPN back however long ago that was. I but, think it was 2004. Was it 2004? I, I honestly don't know, but, you know, it was, it was when Vanderjack was in his prime and, like, never missed field goals. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, but he either either way, is that cheating? Uh, in my eyes, it is because there's a mutual agreement amongst kickers and punters that you're going to use the same footballs all game. Um, every kick, to make, not only to make it fair, but to break the football in and to give there's no there's no advantage. But is it cheating by the rules? Not really. It was he just kind of broke a you know code of trust amongst kickers and punters there. And, um, but he, it is kind of cheating because he did tell the ref which ball to throw in when there was already uh, an agreement uh, pregame. So, yeah. you know, and then there's guys that, you know, have come out that played years ago that said they paid, you know, like Brad Johnson said on national television that, you know, the super, in his uh, Super Bowl day he paid, uh, I guess it was equipment manager, 7500 bucks to make sure the ball was perfect to his liking. And, oh. I mean... Is that cheating or not? I think it's just, you know, just an advantage. I don't say it's cheating. But it's a fine line because it isn't a rule book. And if you broke the rule knowingly, it is cheating. But like I also said, it's a $25,000 fine, and that's the extent of it. Um, You know, but to say that the Patriots shouldn't be in the Super Bowl, uh, once once they got their tails kicked by the Chiefs, I think it may have been October, but whatever, whenever it was when they were saying, oh, the Belichick Brady era has come to an end, they never turned back, and they were dominant. So uh, they deserve to be there. By, they're by far the, you know, one of the top two best teams. And, and it wasn't because of a flat football. And, if the, yeah. and trust me on this one, if the, if the football was flat, the referee would not put the ball in play. I mean... And what really happened with Dequell Jackson, who was the linebacker from the Colts that intercepted Brady's pass, the true story came out because Dequell was interviewed. It was all about he ran to the coach and said, oh, Brady's cheating, man, here's the ball. No, no, he didn't. He gave, it to, he gave the ball to the equipment manager and said, put this away from me. I intercepted Tom Brady in the AFC championship game. I want to keep that for my house. Then it turned into the equipment manager was like, hmm, this feels kind of soft. Then he went to the head coach. Uh, Pagano, and then Pagano said, I don't have time for that. And then he, then he kind of called, uh, you know, during a timeout, called uh, Ursay, the owner of the Colts. And it just kind of went to the NFL from there. But to say, you know, the story's being turned all different directions now. And I think it's because people want so badly the Patriots to be punished and punished in a way where they won't win anymore because they're t- sick of them winning. Um, <laughs> That, so many people. Yeah. If it was any other team, it would have never made the news. Never. It wouldn't have been so. newsworthy. Yeah, I know a lot of people hate the Patriots. You know, I, I mean, hear I that a too. lot. I can't stand <laughs> them. But you have to respect the game. I mean, it's like I'm a, I'm a Tar Heel, but for me to go and badmouth Coach K because he's Duke's coach in basketball and not give him his credit for getting a thousand wins, that's absurd. I mean, He's the best coach in college basketball right now, hands down. And he has been for years. I hate to admit it because it's my rival, 
nine miles from my school is Duke University, and I can't stand them. But I give them credit where credit's due. It's, it's all about respect. Well, and I think that people in general, I mean, there is cheating. Um, you know, and I don't, do I think it's as rampant as what you hear about baseball or, you know, different people in sports we've heard cheating um and, you know and you talked about a little bit about billy condiff having metal in his shoe so i mean there's things that go on and i i want to talk about that more after the break about the kinds of things that go on um but it's still when you look at the game and what they say about the patriots i just i always think you know these people are people you know they're real people that we're talking about here and so when i think about cheating and what it does to a person emotionally, their moral base, what happens to them, um, and even a team. And then also the fact that it can sabotage. And in this case, you know, you look at Tom Brady, just the media, right? And he's looked like a fool. And so you think of this, you know, if this is, um, it's only a $25,000 fine, but what does it do to their soul? What does it do to them personally? And so let's continue after the break, and we'll talk more about cheating in general that you've seen and uh and then we'll talk more about what you're doing today and go from there so we'll break now it's your world motivate change succeed voiceamericaempowerment.com most married men experience frustration because there are things they want from their wives but don't know how to get them nothing seems to work desires are unfulfilled fantasies unrealized and relationships become stagnant men are desperate today for a richer deeper more satisfying and intimate marriage dr jim slaughter teaches men how to have the passionate fulfilling marriage they've always wanted call 817-991-4964 or email jslaughterphd at yahoo.com to begin transforming your marriage into what you want it to be Mothers and daughters have a unique relationship. There are trying times and loving times. There is joy and there can be heartache. Listen for Communicating from the Heart, the empowered mother-daughter relationship. Your hosts are Elizabeth Lutz along with her daughters, Danielle and Melissa Schoeniker. Come with them as they share an open and honest discussion to help mothers and daughters everywhere strengthen and support their own relationships. Listen Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, guys. Welcome back. I have Jeff Freed on the phone, former NFL place kicker and two-time Super Bowl champ. We are discussing about cheating 
in general in the NFL and uh, what it does emotionally to players, what it does to um, a team sabotaging them. We talked a lot about just cheating in general in the footballs. And so we're going to pick up from there. And um, you actually, Jeff, did talk a little bit about Billy Condiff. Um, we talked about uh, the metal in his shoe. That that truly would, I guess, be cheating. Um, and about cheating in general, you said before the you know before we started talking this morning, you had said everyone cheats. A lot of people cheat, and so uh, I just want to talk a little bit more about that. Well, see, when I and it's funny, I, I did say that, and I'm talking on the sports sports line of thought. Um, if if you sit here and say everybody cheats, then someone might actually be a fan of mine, and then say, well, it's okay to go cheat on my wife or my husband, and that's not okay. And I don't mean that. Um, that's something that is way different than a sport. Now, um, if if you become a habitual cheater, then you can do it in all aspects of your life. I do believe that. Um, but as athletes, if you've done something like a lot of these guys uh, take ephedra or performance enhancers and then say, "Oh, well, uh, I didn't know I had," to, you know, you know, you know, as an athlete, what's what's okay and what's not to put in your body. Um, in my opinion, um, if you have any questions, you ask the trainer. And if the trainer clears you, um, then if you take it and get caught, then you then you have a bone to pick. But most trainers are overly cautious and say, "I don't know what that ingredient is. Don't take it." So that's I'm not saying it's okay to cheat in all aspects of your life. We're talking football. We're talking sports. And you know, I just uh, I I just think that. In general, when I say everyone cheats, it's not intentionally cheating to say, man, I hope I, hope I don't get caught on this one. You know, it's <laughs> more along the lines of, as a kicker, I want, uh, you know, for, for, I'll give you an example that sounds very petty, but I, I hoped and prayed that when we were on Heinz Field, back when I played, when the steamroller used to come out at halftime and smash the mud down to make it look good for TV, I hoped and prayed someone called a timeout before I kicked a game-winning field goal or something so I could build myself a mount and find good footing. And that's illegal. And I waited till the ref's back was turned so I could do that because that was the only way that I could get the ball out of a, uh, a mud hole. And I had my holder help me, and I kind of distracted the refs here and there. That's actually cheating. Um, but I didn't care if I got caught because I didn't think I should be playing on a field that was in that bad of shape. So... But, it, I mean, that's just that's a petty example, but it's a kicker's example of, you know, that's what we uh, that's what we do. I mean, take every advantage to be successful that you possibly you can in sports. And so that's, where, that's where I think it's okay to not cheat. Cheat is a, a bad term because it's like a bad word. When you say, oh, it's okay to cheat, then you, it, it opens you up for like you're just a bad individual. So but Billy, that, that's, talking, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, sorry. Well, Billy, he's he's trying to get an advantage, right? Right, and and see, I knew about it, but I didn't run to Goodell or run to. I mean, my coaches knew, and they could have said something if they wanted to. But listen, if if he's kicking that well, and and people can't figure out why he's kicking so much better than everybody else, then you know what? Kudos to him. I knew he had something in that shoe. Why do you think he changed it? You don't change your kicking shoe uh, 
after an extra point to go kick off. That's a little odd to me. If you can kick an extra point and field goal in one shoe, you can pretty much kick off and that shoots it. Uh, but if nobody else is going to catch that, people of importance, I'm not going to rat him out because I'm not a hater like that. I mean, it's just, it's, it's obvious to me that he was, he had an advantage, something built into that shoe. And it wasn't like a piece of metal on his toe. There was something built into that shoe specially made. Well, and I, I think the, the challenge is to, in any sport at any age, is to go above and beyond the rest of the players and try right. to get an advantage within the rules, right? And so that is what we, on the outside, would hope that the Patriots or anyone else would have done, that, um, that they're the best in the rules of the game, to be the best on top of everyone without cheating or, you know, when you see a baseball player or anyone. And so cheating to get ahead, what does it do to you? And uh, what does it do to you? Even if no one catches you, what does it do to you? And when I saw Tom Brady up there in front of the news cameras last week, I was like, oh, my gosh, why is he up there? Why is he doing that? You know, the minute I saw him walk out, uh, because I, I – I didn't see how he was going to be able to say anything that would be helpful. And he ended up looking foolish, really foolish. And no one, I would say no one, believed him. And so morally, Tom Brady now looks very bad. And and even Belichick, I mean, you hear people talk about them. And even if they don't like them already, okay, a lot of people, and even a lot of women, they don't, you know, they are like, oh, Tom Brady's a liar, Bill Belichick's a liar. They never watch football, but they are hearing this. And so I think that what I want people to know is, yeah, you can get away with things, and you may never get caught, but it does something to you inside, and depending on your level of conscience, and I think, you know, I just don't want to say that NFL players don't have a conscience. I'm sure they do. And so they justify it, let's say, and but what does it do to them? Have you ever seen it affect players, when even if they haven't gotten caught? Yeah, and, and to uh, what you were just talking about with the old interview thing, uh, Belichick handled it well. Uh, he got he landed, he they landed in Phoenix, and he said uh, – I'm not talking about this anymore, and we have a game this week, and that's exactly what he should say. And, and he has—he shows no emotion anyway, except for when they won the AFC Championship and when they won Super Bowls. So uh, he's a perfect man for that position, whether he's lying or not. Kraft was ignorant in saying the NFL owes us an apology because that's oh, the only thing. Because you've cheated before, you got caught before. Nobody should apologize for anything. It should be a dead issue, or someone should get fined, and then you drop it, you move on. There's no way it should be an investigation for two weeks leading up to the actual game to come through with a final decision of if someone deflated the football or not. Okay. Tom Brady said, it hurts my feelings. Uh, we're not 12 years old anymore. So for him to say that, um, whether he is uh, guilty or not or lying or not, it makes him look very childish and look guilty. So. Yes. The, to answer your question, when you cheat, whether it is on a test in school, because everyone's done it at least once, or they're lying, and then, they're, then, that, then that brings up a whole new theory of lying and cheating. Okay, whether you cheat, whether it's a test in school, or 
you knowingly cheat in a game where you know if you get caught, there's some bad things going to happen uh, in sports. Or if you cheat on a spouse or a girlfriend or uh, whatever, uh, you emotionally, I don't care how, how, how much ice is in your veins, uh, you emotionally are hurt by your actions and you know you're wrong. And, and whether it initially comes out or it comes out in a month to five months, uh, you change the person and your whole uh, aura of yourself is affected. As you're, as you're, the point you're hitting on is deep down inside, you know, you, you, you know, you've done something wrong. And so how do you deal with it? Well, and you, and you know that you're not what people are saying you are. You know, whether you've hit more hits than, you know, you've gotten more home runs than anyone, or you can kick farther than anyone, or you're a better, you know, you can throw those balls and make completions more than anyone. You know how you actually did it. And that it's right. not the way you should have done it, and it's not what people are saying. So you're not authentic. You're not real. And when you're not authentic and real, you get sick, and right. you get numb, as you say. You get numb emotionally. Your emotions are muted, which means you can't be as happy, and you can't enjoy life anywhere near as much. And your conscience is muted over time. That's right. And I know we're talking about cheating here, but one thing I had to mention about myself, I literally made national news for hitting a paper towel dispenser. Okay. Now, I think it's funny now because these people won't let it go. And this was 2008 or yeah, 2008, 2009. And I literally, I just hit the side of it because I knew it was, there were paper towels in there and a piece the size of a cell phone fell off. And I made national news for that. It's crazy. Yeah. And I, I had to pay my dues and community service and apologize to the organization and my team for something that ignorant. And was it a stupid move by me? Sure, yeah. But there's also a situation where, you know, women are getting raped and beaten and uh, child abuse and whatever else. And, you know, that's, you know, I'm in the same category as these people, according to a lot of people that don't know me. So the thing that hurts is not the fact that I got in trouble for something that I did wrong, because to be honest, I've dodged bullets before where I knew I was wrong and I'm, you know, and I, and I dodged a bullet. But in this situation, I thought was totally absurd. I made the news, but it's, it's not my property, so I shouldn't have done that. But people judge me based on that incident. And instead of saying Jeff was a great kicker, a lot of people say, and it's, and it's a very small percentage, but you, you, you see it in the social media, uh, which I laugh at now, and I fire back at him to have a good time. But you see, oh, that's that idiot that hit the paper towel sensor six years later. And they don't know me. They don't know that I go to any and every charity event. They don't know that I fly to Pittsburgh with my own money to attend my old teammates' charity events because I, that means that much to me. Um, they don't know what I, you know, that I give back to the community in Pittsburgh, to the police officers, and, um, you know, fraternal order of police and stuff like that. They, they don't know that stuff because I don't make it public because if you don't see me there or you, I don't, I don't, I don't need to brag on myself and, and tell people what I do right. God knows what I do right. But these people come at me, and I'm not perfect by any means. That's not my point. But people come at me saying, oh, he's that idiot that did this, the idiot with the crazy hair, and the idiot that hit the paper towel dispenser, and this and that, instead of knowing me. And that's kind of along your point. So, uh, you know, these, uh, like Tom Brady, Belichick, Kraft, whoever may be, any athlete that cheats and know they cheated, 
they're not true to themselves. And that's your point in saying, how will this affect them in the long run? And to be honest, uh, they, they have to play by all the rules perfectly almost as New England Patriots for the rest of the time, their time together. Um, yes. Because a third strike, because this one's going to pass over, uh, because I, I do think the NFL is just doing this to please people and say that, oh, this is kind of cheating, but I think it's going to pass over. But I also think that uh, if they do something else, anything that's even more minor than this uh, with the flate gate, um, they're going to be in some deep stuff. Well, and you you make a really good point, you know, and I this is what I was thinking with Tom Brady up in front of all those news people and news cameras. This is what people are going to remember about Tom Brady and how sad because this guy is an incredible quarterback. No matter what they say about his personality or whatever, personally, he's an incredible quarterback. And this is an incredible team. But that's not what, you know, honestly, that's not what people are going to be talking about 10 years from now. Unless you're a New England Patriots diehard fan, Everyone else is going to say he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because he cheated twice, at least that right. we know of. Right. And that is uh, complete, and I'll keep my mouth shut, but complete BS. Because now, see, what it's turned into is something this minor, that I think, has turned into people's opinions being formed that, oh, for their 13 years together, Belichick and Brady, they've been cheating the whole all along. They only got caught twice. That's pretty good. Isn't that the assumption? And that's I think it, that's, that's the way that's it is with he, people. I mean, even if it is, sorry, are you there? Yeah, go ahead. I think I think even if it uh, it is it, even in a marriage or anything like that, when when someone finds out you cheated, at that moment, they don't know about the past. It brings the past into doubt. And one right. of the things that you and that's the sabotage. It's not just sabotage today for the Patriots or Brady. You know, about what could happen, what people are going to feel about them or him or what people are going to say or for the Hall of Fame or any of that. It's also everything in the past. It brings into doubt everything in the past and their ability to cheat. You know at this point that they they can, they will, so they probably have. And and then they think, okay, not just footballs and this and that. And so that's the sabotage it brings in your life over such a small thing. Um, now this, a lot of people that, you know, are looking at that, they don't, they don't think it's small because of where it happened, right? It's more about the, I think if it had happened in a regular game, you know, quite a while ago in this season, you know, early on, it wouldn't have any of the impact that it has right now with the Super Bowl. This is, this is what got them to the Super Bowl, right? And so that's how they're looked at. They wouldn't be in the Super Bowl if they hadn't cheated. Right. And. To your, to your, I mean, that makes sense because you're, you're speaking for what people are thinking. But mm-hmm. I think if it had happened in week two, it would have been the same thing because, because the, the evidence of the matter is at halftime it was 17-7 to 7 when they were playing with so-called flat balls. They were in total, total control, but it was 17-7. to 7. They came out in the second half with perfectly, perfectly aired up footballs because they were supposedly caught and won 28 to nothing. So I don't, uh, I don't think that I don't care if it's an AFC championship game or not. I, I just, I think if it was week one, it would have been just as uh, prominent on the news as it is, as it is now. And actually even worse than that, they would have talked about it every single week. So I'm glad it happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we'd had 16 weeks of, did they cheat this week? Did they cheat this week? Oh, they won yeah. this week. They must've cheated. And it just, 
<laughs> that's funny. That's true. That's totally yep. true. That's unfortunately in in our business as media people, that's not how I think, but that's how majority of people think. Yes, and it, and it is sad. And I think um, for me, for what I you know, I'm health and wellness, motivation, empowerment. Um, I know that the most successful people in the world usually are people that don't cheat. And if they do get an advantage, they try to stay within the lines. If they do cheat some, okay, it isn't so blatant that it would sabotage. That There are people that are really good at making sure they don't sabotage their life. And no matter how it turns out and no matter, because my concern was, yeah, okay, they're going to get fined. They're going to end up in the Super Bowl. What does that teach kids? What does that teach people out there? What does that teach, you know, high school players, uh, college players? We know there's already cheating and recruiting and all that kind of stuff. But what does it tell these kids and what are they learning from this? Which is why we need people like you. And I know you, you're a motivational speaker. And so you go out and talk to groups, right? Right. Anywhere from vice presidents and, and their group of people of a company uh, or kids. Um, and, you know, I'm going to hit on uh, one, one more thing uh, with that, and we can stop. We can kind of put that to rest, uh, the flake gate thing. But when, you, when you're stealing coaches' signs from the other sideline, as they did against the New York Jets, however many years ago that was. And that was the Patriots, right? Yeah, that is yeah, this is the Patriots I'm talking about. That is, a really, uh, that is really messing with the integrity of the game. That, that's just not right. Explain um, why that how, is. Uh, and, and, well, because, first of all, that's like some sneaky cheating. That's, that's some true sneaky cheating, as, a plo- as opposed to a football that's 10.5 PSI instead of 12.5. I think that's a huge difference, in my opinion. Um, now, it's also saying, like, in a relationship, you kiss somebody or you sleep with them as two different things, and that's still cheating, and I, I get that. But uh, we're talking football here, and... But I did talk to Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is a good friend of mine. He was offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh forever, and now he's a head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And he, they came in town to Charlotte to play the Panthers in uh, the postseason. And I went to his room, talked to him for about two and a half hours. And, and uh, you know, I didn't bring that up, but uh, I, I, I had talked about it. I said, when you cut, because he, he calls the plays, and I said, when you cover your mouth, um, why do you do that? And he said, well, it's basically so someone can't read my lips because he said a lot of times when I call the plays, I call the play, but I tell them what to do from what I see on the field. So it's not necessarily the play. It's to, I tell them what to do, uh, the quarterback what to do. And he had a third-string quarterback and a fourth-string, something like that. So he was kind of helping him out so he didn't have to think as much, and he just played his game. He said, but he said, Jeff, I'll tell you, um, the stuff the Patriots got away with is definitely cheating and definitely wrong. He said, but I could hand Coach Rivera, who's the coach of the Carolina Panthers, for people that don't know, I could hand him our playbooks, and he could hand me uh, theirs. And he said, whoever, whoever, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Whoever uh, executes it the best is going to win. And he hmm. said, it doesn't matter how many plays you got on the other team. If you execute them, you'll beat, you'll beat your opponent either way. So, to, so basically what I'm saying is, that's a huge deal what they did uh, by stealing signals and, you know, taking uh, video camera signals from the Jets. Uh, but um, it shouldn't matter unless they were reading lips of telling them exactly what to do, whether they knew the play or not. So, and, but I'm not saying that's okay because that is definitely wrong. 
And that is something, if, if we were talking about it right now, they did that a second time, there need to be some serious punishment. Uh, and, you know, some suspension from the season next year or maybe suspended even from the, uh, well, they wouldn't do it from the Super Bowl because they'd have to do a further investigation. But, but when you're talking about footballs, though, uh, and, and they weren't flat. They were just maybe a little bit flatter than normal. Um, I honestly think it's really not that big of a deal. You, you get to fine, you lose draft picks. You do whatever you got to do, and you move on with that. But as far as motivational speaking, uh, you know, I mean, I talk to kids about you know respecting their parents, respecting their education, even though they're athletes and they love the games they play, um, and that's all cool stuff. But without an education, I know so many friends that were made over fifty million dollars uh, playing football, but now they're out of shape, alcoholics, uh, spend a ton of their money, um, having you know divorced all kind of stuff because they banked on the game so much. And for two years, uh, from about 2011 to the middle, to, to about the middle of 2014, I was in a state of depression and I was, I was wondering who Jeff Reed was. And so that, that motivated me to be a motivational speaker because I'm not a suicidal kind of person. Um, but there were times when I wondered why I was on earth and uh, because I was, I was letting football define me and, I knew, I looked back and I said, man, my parents paid so much money for me to go and get a degree. They were so proud of me. They told me that daily. They supported me in everything I did. And I'm sitting here. The, my only goal was to get back in the NFL. And when I only got a couple trials, one of them I played, I kicked terribly. And the other one I kicked great. I just didn't get the job. Um, I was wondering if it, I'd ever play again. So then I got into a state of I'm only focused on football. Then I, got, I hung out with the wrong crowd, made some bad decisions. Uh, not necessarily drinking and driving or anything like that, but, you know, investing in the wrong thing or so-called investing and basically lost uh, some money. And you, you start to realize that it's not about the money. It's about personal happiness. And I was letting other people, negative, bad people in my life, and that's, I turned into a negative, bad person. And so it kind of motivated me to be a motivational speaker. Well, and you know that when you look at that, everything you've said is really what my show's about as far as, it doesn't matter how much you make. It matters how much you keep. And that, and I've had people say, well, yeah, but if you make a million, the interest on a million, you can live off that. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't be fooled by that. Just look at the athletes. Look at celebrities. I mean, you can lose it. And so keeping it is the way to keep it is to have true character and to know what you're doing as far as there's a lot more important things. Have a full life, a whole life, and be able to see yourself uh, much more as a whole person and not be defined by one thing because you can you can truly lose that one thing um, and so I know for you you also would like to be a coach you're an aspiring coach um, and a motivational speaker yeah I, uh, I coach some kids I have about four kids in the Charlotte North Carolina area high schools that went from kicking uh, squib kicks and ugly kicks from a soccer background to, like, making 50-yard field goals now. And I'm not taking credit for that. It's just cool to see that I have a talent where, you know, I make it fun, but I only want – I mean, I had about eight kids, and, you know, I told a, a few of them just to hit the road because I was making money off their parents, and I, and they weren't taking it serious. And I told the parents to their face, um, I, uh, I appreciate – uh, the opportunity and you guys believing in me, but your son's not serious and I'm not going to take any more of your money. 
Um, unless he gets serious, and then I'm fine with you know whatever we're continuing forward. And I haven't seen those kids. Not talking to them here and there because they're good people, but um, I work with four serious kids, and I have two: one from Charleston, South Carolina, that drives down or drives up, I guess, and I have one from Richmond, Virginia, that drives drives down, which is five hours, to work with me here and there. And um, and these kids believe in me, so uh, it's what I want to do, like at a college level, even pro level, but usually at a pro level. You can only do yeah. so much unless you're in special teams uh, specifically. Uh, I want to work with specialists because I think there's so many college kickers um, that are so strong and in such great shape that just don't have the fundamentals or they've listened to the wrong guy growing up because there aren't that many ki- kicking coaches out there. Well, 99% Jeff- of special teams coaches have no idea what they're talking about, um, even, at the, even at the pro level. They try to critique you on a kick, and they have no idea. It's just like they... You basically just want to say, shut up, coach. But, you know, you can't say that because it's lack of respect. But uh, hey, Jeff. they try to tell you this and that, and it's, uh, they, they don't even know what they're talking about. Jeff, I, I know you'd be a great coach, a great kicking coach, so it's good to hear. And um, I am so thankful you were on. We've had a great talk, and I've really enjoyed it. And I hope that everyone out there really gained information about why it's important not to cheat. And you have the choice to cheat or not cheat. But when you don't cheat and you stay within the guidelines, that's true success and you don't sabotage your life. Thanks for joining us. This is Ann Beal with Living Well. And you guys have a great week. And thank you, Jeff. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was awesome. Thank you again for joining us. Living Well with Ann Beal airs live every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to see you again next week.